This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, Zupan's was established in 1975, but here in 2021, it's the summer of sashimi at Zupan's. So they have sashimi grade fish available daily. So it's very refreshing time of year to go in and grab some uh, some sashimi grade fish at Zupan's. Uh, they have their favorite raw preparations, crudo, ceviche, uh, tartare, and sushi. So they can inspire your next summer meal. Yeah, and speaking of which, why not maybe do some king salmon on the grill? They've got some great mild, rich, and smooth. You know what I love about salmon is oftentimes you can get salmon that can go either way. Sometimes it's too fishy. Sometimes it's perfect. Well, this sounds great. Mild, rich, and smooth, sustainably raised in Canada. Throw that on the grill. Oh, it's going to be good. And they have recipes for that, too. So you can make a spicy Korean-style king salmon tartare recipe and some other recipes for some of their other great fish. Their seafood and their meat department, which are closely uh, situated to each other, are fantastic. So they have Baja Campachi. Uh, they also have Columbia River Steelhead, firm, buttery, and sweet. Doesn't that sound good, Court? It does sound good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting it's early in the morning right now, but I'm already thinking about dinner. Yeah, well, so you could also think about yellowfin ahi tuna um, and go grab that as well. So uh, lots to think about at Zupan's, including their burgers in the breezeway and their lobster rolls on Friday. It doesn't stop. The hits just keep coming. Yeah. yeah, three locations to serve you, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. And of course, you can find out all the information about everything we talked about. Where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm. Thank you, Court, for relieving me of that responsibility of introducing you. My pleasure. <laughs> I appreciate that. So um, how are you doing this summer? I mean, we were all excited about not wearing masks again, and I went out to buy two masks yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, if if the worst it gets is having to wear masks uh, in, in terms of what the general public, I mean, people are obviously still getting sick and some people are going back into the hospital. We know what people those are. Um, but if the worst it gets, Chris, is just to wear the mask, I, I'm OK with that. Um, I was able to go actually out to Ringside Steakhouse over the weekend uh, for my wife's birthday. And uh, it was business as usual. Oh, other happy birthday, Randy. Yeah. It was business as usual, other than, you know, we we walked in, you wore your mask more uh, going in until you got to your table, and then you could take it off and, and enjoy the meal. So it, it was not intrusive. It was very nice, and we had a lovely meal. Well, I'm going to the grand reopening of Andina tonight, and we're going to be required to bring vaccination proof, oh, too. Okay. So that's another, that's another step. I don't mind doing that. It actually makes me feel better about being indoors. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it, but I've gotten to be uh, friendly with the folks at Andina. So I am uh, more than happy to, um, well, I'm excited about going to their grand reopening. They've been closed for quite a while for indoor dining and uh, going with some great friends of mine, Joan and Jerry, who lots of people may know around town and who moved to San Sebastian and have just returned for the first time since COVID. So I'm interested in hearing what they have to say about San Sebastian, because as you know, Court, and some other people may know, we have two trips, or we have trips to San Sebastian next year, uh, which we're evaluating as we speak, but um, uh, I'm hopeful to get those in at some point. Those were originally scheduled for 2020. But I'm interested in talking to Joan and Jerry about what things look and feel like in uh, Spain right now. And they're great people, but more important, but just as important, um, the opportunity to go out and eat. And I do like the idea 
How do you feel about having to show a vac vaccination card to, to enter a dining room? I'm I'm fine with it. I mean these these are these are private businesses and they can choose to operate how they want. And as a vaccinated person in, in a family that's entirely vaccinated, I'm down. I, I understand yeah. that you know I, I'm I'm with it. Easy. I think so too. I mean, I, no one loves this stuff, obviously, but um, the safer we can feel. And and as I've looked into what's going on with the Delta variant, uh, none of us want to get sick with it. But I will say this: I I looked last night um, that OHSU sent out an email uh, of how many people are hospitalized there with COVID and. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it looks like 93% of people hospitalized are unvaccinated yeah. right now. So the vaccine is, is it seems that effective. So, um, so yeah, I get vaccinated out there. Um, I didn't think I'd ever be saying that, but I am. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, obviously it would be a subject that we could spend spend a lot of time on, and it's it, it yeah, I think to your point. It baffles me that this is even a debate because if you go if you go back, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when other diseases were eradicated because the majority of people said, oh, a shot will take care of this. No problem. I, I, I think obviously they lived in a world where they were seeing the Ill, the um, the uh, direct effects of it and to have that go away uh, was, was pretty great. But I think we the same could be saying said for right now. We're seeing the direct effects of this. We're either seeing people going into the hospital. We you know we we know people who have lost loved ones to this. So get right. vaccinated. Well, we're, we're seeing how effective it is. And I you know I'll be the first to say when when the back in what March April when the idea of everybody getting vaccinated came about i was asking my doctor about it and my vet even yes yeah. he was very medically schooled um who really wasn't for it but um but you know i had concerns about what everybody was all of a sudden signing up to do uh, but i think we have some data now to prove that it is is and was a good idea and so i think anybody who's not getting vaccinated now and claiming freedom um i've seen a few people do that well you know where's the line with freedom should you have freedom not to obey stop signs and stop lights uh there are things out there that are put out so society is safer and laws are passed that you know there are laws that infringe on people's freedom to do whatever the fuck they want so uh, i don't know if it's a valid call to say i want my freedom i don't want to have to get vaccinated when other people's lives are at stake um just my impression my feeling on it i'm i'm, I'm right there with you I'm, I'm trying to figure out the exact qu quote but i, I th there's a line you cross where you go so far looking for that freedom that you lose your liberty and so yeah it's it's uh, to, to what point i, I mean I know people, and, I, and again, I go back to our audience probably knows people, you know people that are immunocompromised, that have had issues, uh, they get sick easier than the rest. And, you know, if, if, if them having a close to normal life means that occasionally I need to throw on a mask or get, or get a shot, I'm down. I, just sign me up. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we live in a country where obviously, in a whole world, where obviously everybody doesn't think the same way I've, I've learned to come to grips with that over time so um but we do the best we can to take the precautions and uh you know ask people if i guess they are vaccinated if you're going to get close to them and indoors you know i still don't understand why people are wearing masks outdoors but right that's that's a whole nother issue yeah so um Yep. Uh, anyway, well, there's that. Yep. Um, and it has nothing to do with my really great interview, I believe. Uh, and, well, no, I'll say he's a great guest um, with Laura Romero uh, of Republica, the place that's getting a lot of buzz right now. It's one of a couple of places I've been hearing a lot about. I have not yet been there. I meant to get there, but... The fact is uh, that they've been booked out for their tasting menu for uh, a few weeks uh, at a time. So, um, 
it's uh, it's an interesting story of three people who came together from different spots in Portland, which Chef Laura will go over with us, and he'll do a better job of it than my toplining it. And of course, we want you to listen to the interview, so there's no reason for me to go into detail about that. But uh, Laura's story is very interesting, having started, you know, as a dishwasher in Mexico and making his way over to the United States through Utah, which you'd be interested in. Isn't it interesting? We've had a few chefs lately who've made their way through Utah court. Is that because they wanted to see you and missed you? I'm sure that had to have been it, Chris. <laughs> no, you know, it, it is, it's interesting. Utah is an interesting uh, stepping stone for, for a lot of places. There's a lot of people in Portland radio that came through Utah, myself included. There's a lot of TV people that have done the same. So why not chefs? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the the uh, the line that goes from anywhere to Utah to Oregon. But um, but I'm glad I'm glad you're here, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are glad. I'm sure a lot of people are glad you're here, but also Loro too, because he's a very talented guy and a nice guy. He's actually the first guest we've had to go out in his car to uh, record the interview with us. Um, and so the new, the new uh, means we're trying for recording the podcast wouldn't necessarily work, wouldn't have worked for this one. Yeah. So, um, but at any rate, he was in his car and took the time. He's a busy guy. We originally scheduled it earlier and he couldn't uh, make it because of a labor shortage. That is a big issue in the food world right now, as well as other uh, other places. Uh, a few people didn't show up for work the day we had scheduled to record this originally, and so we um, we did it a couple of days later. This was going to air last week, but now it's now people are going to get the pleasure of this interview with Laura Romero this week and forevermore. So one thing of note here as an addendum, um, I put Chef Loro on the spot, as I am wont to do on the podcast often, by asking chefs where they like to go and their favorite places. Of course, that's in line with what we do at Portland Food Adventures. But usually I will give them a heads up that I'm going to ask them that question, and I didn't with uh, Chef Romero this time, so... At, when we finished the podcast, we were talking about various things and the fact that the folks at Urdaneta were the ones who first turned me on to the pleasures of Republica. And then he was extremely bummed out that Urdaneta was not one of the restaurants that he mentioned as one of his favorites when he was going through them. So uh, he asked me if there was a way to include them. And so here they are right up front in the podcast about a half hour or 45 minutes before I actually asked him. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. And by... Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022. To Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. Hello, Chef. Morning. How are you? Got you? me there. I got you. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. This may be the first time we've done a podcast from a car. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my office is right next to the kitchen. There's a lot of noise, so I got to come out here. I thoroughly appreciate you taking the time and the trouble to yeah. uh, to join us after a short meeting the other day. So thanks. Yeah. yeah. My pleasure. Oh, good. So. Um, so uh, you've been a little busy lately. I know you just did uh, an event at Feast, which uh, I understand you decided, let's just do this ourselves. 
and uh, that was pretty exciting. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't this, it wasn't just my decision. It was kind of a, a decision between my business partners and 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 me, of course. Um, I think that we really wanted to showcase. Uh, I mean, I think for me, it was just a, a tremendous honor to be a part of Feast. You know, this is one of the. Um, one of the most uh, paid attention uh, food events in the country. And uh, not only that, but it was really, truly an honor to be part of the coming back uh, somewhat post-pandemic, right? We don't know if we're okay to say that now with all this new, uh, the new variant coming up, but uh, at least we didn't know that. We didn't know that then. And I would re we really wanted to like take the story of the movie and, uh, you know, we were just, very inspired by it and we wanted to showcase uh, the passion that we uh, feel for the culture and the food and i hope so, we delivered <laughs> yeah well let's talk a little bit about culture and food because you've had as i understand it and i'd love you to take us through um whatever version you would like to take us through of your journey into the food world uh, and then your journey to the United States and uh, now being able to showcase what you love most at uh, Republica. And did I pronounce that properly? Yeah, Republica. You got right, it. Right, Republica. Um, because, you know, you've done, you, you know, you started as a dishwasher and moved up and you've been at King Tide, but it wasn't necessarily showcasing the food you're passionate about there. So um, let's just talk about your, you know, your childhood and what you're doing now to um, to showcase the food that you love so much. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a long story. Um, I was born in Mexico in the uh, state of Hidalgo uh, in a town or a city called uh, Tulancingo. Um, I Grew up there. Um, my parents separated when I was nine or ten. Uh, we stayed in the city so I could finish uh, elementary. Once I was done with elementary, then my mom moved us to the the countryside of the state, um, and it was there where uh, I didn't know it at the time really, but that's where I, you know, experienced food in a very different uh, level. Um, you know, my, my mom's side of the family, they're all farmers, they're all, you know, country people. And my grandparents and my uncles, you know, they all grew their, their food, you know, they, they, uh, they forage, they grew and hunt and, and, you know, they truly live off, uh, off the land. And, um, you know, my, my grandma, my aunts, my mom were all tremendous cooks or are, uh, and uh, I was just exposed to that for the last three years I live in Mexico. And like I said, I didn't know at the time, but um, it was very, truly inspiring. And uh, it's probably the best time in my life, you know. Um, so, I, so getting out of the city and getting to the countryside was what um, exposed you to different uh cuisine experience or eating experience than you had yeah, earlier in life? Exactly. My dad was also, uh, he was, he was from the countryside. He was, you know, true and true, uh, a farm boy or a farm man. Um, he had to move to the city for, you know, his own circumstances and work and things like that. And so he was very successful in his own way, but he always craved the, uh, the country living, right. He owned a bunch of land outside of the, outside of the city also where he was, uh, cultivating um stuff and uh, so i was always exposed to it i just you know i never truly experienced the the country even until until we were outside of the of the city and like i said i didn't know this at the time but it was just it was just a great time and 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 you know now when i cook and and you know especially with republica when i look back at it i'm like oh dude, that was that was incredible um so yeah in, in a way like it, it changed my my ways and my views, the, the way that I approach food now in this present time, uh, based on that experience. Like I said, if you go back to it, I'm like, I didn't know. I was just, I was a kid, you know, I was I know, 12, 13 years old. So I didn't know what I was doing or, you know, I didn't know what making mole from scratch and growing your own corn and your own squash meant anything. Uh, but now when I look at it, it was like, it, it was, it's truly inspiring. And then, you know, when you talk about farm to table and like the, this big movement, which is great. Um, I go back and I'm like, yeah, farm to table. So what's up? <laughs> well, probably your experiences in the United States 
provided a contrast to say, oh, wait, that was pretty special. And I'm not really, you know, I can't, I, I don't know what you actually experienced, but I'm sure <laughs> moving to Salt Lake and Salt Lake City, you didn't necessarily uh, get that farm to table experience right off the bat. <laughs> no, uh, Salt Lake City is a, it's a great town uh, and it's up and coming, I think. And, and, and it's got a pretty interesting food scene nowadays. Um, back in 97, it wasn't the case. Uh, I think the uh, Winter Olympics really uh, exposed the city and, 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 you know, brought a lot of diversity and, and a lot of growth in, in a very good way. Uh, but no, man, I mean, it was, it was a very different town and it was a little bit shocking. Um, so yes, when I, when I first moved to the States, I really started appreciating more and more, uh, the culture, you know, and you go through this process of learning the language, you know, kind of trying to adapt into the, uh, the new culture and, you know, but you are who you are and you're always grasped for that. And you always try to, you know, even if you're not trying to retain it, like it, it's just, it's just part of your essence, right? It's part of your DNA. And, uh, you know, I always crave, uh, the food and, and, and the experience and, uh, it was, it was, it was truly that, uh, I wasn't going to get that, uh, at the time in Salt Lake. Uh, and that's kind of, um, I guess that's how I ended up in the Northwest. But how did you end up in Salt Lake? What was the, what was the reason to get you from Mexico to, of all places, Salt Lake city in the United States? Um, well, I was, uh, I was a punk when I was 14, you know, I was just a little bit of a, a little bit of a troublemaker. I was giving my mom a lot of uh, a lot of uh, issues. Um, I think I think that I wasn't that bad, really. I was really I was a really good kid. I was just a little a little confused. And uh, in in this in the town that my mom grew up, uh, there was no true economy, right? Like people live off the land, but that was that was it. If you got sick, man, you were in trouble because you have no money. And a lot of people either immigrated to the big cities and you know became construction workers or um, you know, I don't know, some kind of a, uh, a skill in that sense and or uh, immigrated to the U.S. where they could, you know, go for six months, eight months, two years, come back and, you know, they were able to build a house, buy a car, things like that. Things that were not possible there. Um, there's also um, the economy in Mexico at that time. It was it was not great. And so it was just hard. Uh, and also part of the culture in this town was that it was unheard if you go to college and then if you go to college then you might not find a job because again the economy is not doing great and there's not a lot of jobs uh getting created or you know so and me you know being 12 years old 13 years old looking at all these people coming back from the states with this you know their pockets full of dollars and you know this really nice cars and i was like well i'm gonna do that i'm gonna go to there and 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 you know and build a house buy a nice car and come back and have a nice life and i was a little naive okay <laughs> well, no, it's, but it's, good. It's, it's interesting to hear that that's your perspective because i think a lot of 12 and 14 year olds in the united states feel the same way but uh everything's relative right so but yeah. i have a question for you and i don't mean to put you on the spot but we all have our stories. So when you say you were a tr troublemaker at 14 or 15 so um you'll get dispensation here because you're in a different country. What's the worst thing you remember doing? The biggest, the biggest thing you didn't get caught doing or that you did get caught? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's taking the, he's taking the fifth and, and maybe that's the eighth in Mexico. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't that bad. I was, I was just more like, you know, from, from very young age. And this is also like, I think part of what my dad taught us is that you're, you make your own choices, you make your own path and you can do whatever you want and you can be whoever you want as long as you, uh, you know, you assume responsibility. And, uh, and from a very, you know, from a very young age, I, I learned independence and I was just always very, a very independent kid. And, you know, my mom was a single mom and she struggled with, um, you know, how to, raise two boys me and my little brother and we have we have siblings that are older that were already doing you know their own life and so we were basically by ourselves and and uh i was just giving my mom a hard time with you know like not listening to her uh skipping school i was a troublemaker in school things like that you know nothing nothing super crazy but uh 
um, you know, I do recognize now that <laughs> my mom didn't have the best time with me. So, um, and again, like you, because I was, you know, very independent. I, I had at that time, I already had my own ambitions and, and I already had set my, my goals, if you will, of what I was going to do. Right. Um, obviously like it turned out a little bit different than I thought it was going to be, but, you know, I think I still turn out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would imagine. So are you still, are you in touch and has, has your family come up to experience what you're doing now? Uh, yes. My mom was here, uh, recently with my, uh, with my oldest sister, my mom travels back and forth between, you know, Hidalgo, Salt Lake city and, uh, Portland. Um, I have siblings in, in Salt Lake still. So, um, yeah, she was here not that probably about a month ago. Uh, she got to experience a little bit of the, the, the restaurant and things like that for the first time. So it was, it was kind of cool to, uh, you know, show her what, what I'm doing now. I would imagine that after the hard time you gave her at a time when you knew so much more than her at 14, you had, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, you knew everything and she didn't know anything, but I would imagine she's got to be uh, extremely pleased and proud of you at this stage of the game. After all of that, to see what you're doing. I and, hope so. And she's not, you know, the other thing is she's probably not privy to the Instagram feed and the things that other people are saying about what you're doing, um, you know, what Eater talks about, she's probably not seeing that. And what I've seen, uh, you know, I don't, I just ran into you last week at a Finex event and that was awesome because I had read so much about what you were doing. I'm outside of Portland and haven't spent a lot of the pandemic in Portland. I've been there a little bit, but I would say as far as buzz is concerned, Republica has gotten as much, if not more buzz than any other place that's opened since the pandemic. There's a lot of excitement going on. So your mom is not necessarily aware of that, right? She comes up and she sees what you're doing and she knows you, but yeah. it would be cool. And you're probably a humble man and you're not going to take screenshots. Hey, look what everybody's saying about this, but it would be cool if she saw that, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, and I think like uh, uh, my younger brother probably shows her things here and there. I know he's done that in the past. So, uh, but I, I, I don't talk a lot about, um, you know, work with my family. So, um, you know, when I, when I call her, we talk about what she's doing. And, and you know, a lot of times I actually call her for uh, um, guidance on, on some product or some dishes, that, uh, you know, um, that I'm not necessarily um sure or i wanted uh have her input you know she's a tremendous cook and um her food is i mean it's phenomenal and uh you know i i will say that when it comes down to mexican food she's like she's the queen of 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 that right and probably every mexican person will say will say the same thing about their mom but uh again like it, it is it is uh it, the inspiration for what I do now, it comes from, from this side of, of my family. And so, you know, like I said, when I talk to her, when I call her oftentimes it's like, Hey, so how do you make this? Or how do you make that? I mean, we have a dish right now on the menu, uh, that it's, uh, uh, one of the main, uh, courses and it's, uh, it's a mole verde, uh, that, uh, it is recipe that I just, you know, tweaked it a little bit to, uh, for mainly for texture, but it is the flavors that, she that i remember from her that she you know kind of guide me through how to do it and that's 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 pretty cool uh and i think um she knows and understands like how grateful i am for that you know outside of all the success that we can have with republic i know the write-ups like i think the the closer that we got in because of republica you know i'm i'm a terrible um song when it comes down to following up and just following up with with, you know with people i i don't call people i don't text I, i'm just i i keep telling myself i don't have the time right but that's just an excuse because you can always make time uh previous to republica i did i call her probably you know once a month once every two weeks if she was lucky and now i'm calling her like at least once a week every other day you know sometimes on my way to work i call him like hey what are you doing you know and like my brother built her this garden so she's like oh you know i'm just getting some squash blossoms i'm gonna make this ideas for lunch and you know we start talking about you know squash blossoms and you know things that we remember right remember when you know we were living in the country and 
um, you know, the things that we would do when we didn't have money and, and how fortunate we were to that we had, you know, this land where we could just go forest or, or harvest some nopalitos and you know, make a salad with that. And it was great. It was great food. Uh, things like that. So uh, I think that uh, I think she knows that. And, I, and you know, and, and I, I probably need to be better about expressing those things. But um, I think she's proud of me. Yeah, sense. well, you know, everybody feels like they could be a little better at expressing it. But, um, you know, you're young, so you have time to continue to express it and, uh, and give her the, the, uh, the credit where credit is due and the love where love is yeah. due. Of course, that, that's, that's an ongoing process. So um, how much of your, the cooking now and your, or your talents now are derived from those memories as a child and then travels back to Mexico to see what some of the other uh, really cool chefs are doing in different areas, Mexico City. And I don't know if you've been to, if Oaxaca comes into play, but those are areas where there's a lot going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look, you know, um, I think for me, it, this is kind of a, you know, Republic is a culmination of my training, right? My journey as a, as a cook. Um, I've done, you know, the American cooking. I've done a little bit of French, a little bit of Italian, um, some Japanese, excuse me. And, uh, and it's been, uh, it's been a journey, right? Like, you know, from, from the moment, the first time I, I cross, you know, I, I walk into a kitchen, you know, to be a dishwasher, uh, to the time that I became a chef or, or I wanted to become a chef, um, finding that, uh, identity, right. Uh, who I am as a, as a cook, as a chef and, you know, what inspires me and, and that often changes because I believe in cooking, you're in a state of constant reinvention, right? You're, you're all, you're evolving and that's part. And that's why I fall in love with this industry because you're, you never stop learning and there's always more and more that you need to learn. And, and there's, other things that you can do to the same thing and, and so on and on. And, um, you know, now with Republica, I mean, I am doing the food that I am the most passionate about. And so with that, I mean, again, like inspiration or what I look at, it, it comes in different, uh, it, from different places, you know, sometimes it's going to the farmer's market and, you know, tomatoes or peaches or whatever it's, it's happening. Uh, and sometimes I specifically want to do a dish like mole verde that I, you know, I remember as a kid or, you know, a mole coloradito also that I remember from, from my family. Those are very specific dishes that are, that I, you know, that I carry with me in my memories. And, uh, and then sometimes it's something more like, you know, uh, like right now I'm working on this dish that it's, uh, I got some uh, ant chicatanas from Oaxaca recently. And so we're working on this uh, dish that is going to be compachi that is cured with the chicatanas and some coffee because of, you know, we have great coffee here with my partner. And, uh, and you know, that, that's going to be a tostada with this raw fish. I'm going to make an, an aioli with the same uh, chicatanas and we add some smoke and it's going to be crazy, right? And that's kind of like, you know, a little bit of the Japanese that I've learned, a little bit of the modern techniques that I've learned. And also like, you know, like, say looking at a place like Pujol, right? Where where they're doing this uh uh taco bar and then they're exposing a lot of the uh the Japanese techniques and the Japanese culture um kind of into uh you know fused or combined with Mexican flavors. And I'm mad that he he did it in a very good way because I thought about that like a long time ago when I was doing Japanese. I was like, oh this this flavors, these techniques, these ideas will be great with Mexican food. And now here we are a few years later with you know, a, a great chef in Mexico City is doing these things. And that, so that, I mean, that gives me the, uh, the drive to, you know, keep pushing and, 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 you know, so like the menu goes in different aspects. And I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, it, uh, well, I was going to ask you about, you, you answered it. I was going to ask you about the influence of having cooked Italian and French, whether those help you to do what, you know, they round you out, but also, you know, um, Nikkei, cuisine is huge in Peru now. And so that's got Japanese influence. So I would imagine over time, it's not going to be just, uh, you know, there are going to be different, different ethnic cuisines that combine Japanese, because that seems to be one everybody wants to, that, that works pretty well. 
but uh, I don't think just because it's being done in Mexico City, you couldn't you couldn't do it up here. And uh, you know, I I could see a pop up here where you just do the Japanese and Mexican fusion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think like what makes me mad, you know, in a personal level is that like I didn't, I had this idea and I didn't, I didn't pursue it. I just, you know, somebody else did, and it, it's doing great. And it, and, and Pujol is not the only place. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of immigration into Mexico as well, from like you know. Uh, Japanese to Chinese to you know other other places and so like even even when you look at Mexican food you know Mexican food is a melting pot of multiple cultures you know you you have ancestral food which is very uh, very specific and and somewhat lost and then you have the arrival of the Spaniards right and and you know the 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 taking and bringing of different ingredients and then you have everybody else come into Mexico as well and then you know you have this. You know, you have tacos al pastor. You have uh, you have the Baja region, which is you know also influenced by uh, Japanese and other cultures. And you have all this um, all these different foods, you know. And that is what makes Mexico very deep in in you know regionalities and also well not only regionalities but also seasonability and 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 every everywhere you go is a little bit or a lot different on on the foods that they're you know, have as a tradition or, you know, or are the foods that are evolving as a tradition based with, based on the uh, influences that come from other places. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hundred percent on board. I just, again, I'm mad that I didn't, that I had this idea and <laughs> I didn't follow it. Laura, you had the idea and you know it internally, you know, Hey, I thought of this. And just because someone else went out there and made it big first, doesn't necessarily mean here we are in the restaurant world. I mean, nobody's got an exclusive on most anything. I mean, for especially for a long period of time. So, yeah. and the other part of that equation, one thing I've learned over time is that there are a lot of people that don't know that someone else is doing it. And if you did, yeah. that would be their first exposure to it. Yeah, and yeah. Be, they would be forever, forever beholden to you for experience. Uh, uh, giving them that experience. So yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not here to counsel you at all, but I don't think you should be mad. I think you should be happy that you, I think you should celebrate the, uh, the fact that you had an idea that it's <laughs> doing really well. It's flourishing. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad. I, it, it's, it's more of a saying that it is. I mean, Enrique Ubera can do whatever he wants. You know, he's done a lot for, for Mexican food in a very good way. And he's a very respectable chef and I, I admire him a lot and I respect him a lot as well. And, uh, no, I mean, you know, it's great. It's, I'm, I'm happy somebody's doing it. And, uh, again, that is only going to open more doors for, for more chefs and more people to do, uh, you know, get a, get a little more adventures and, and really like study more our, our own food and understand our own ingredients and, and a little bit better. And then, then again, you know, pursue other, uh, other, uh, uh, techniques, cultures, whatever, uh, as, as, as you learn, uh, as you grow, as you develop as a cook, right? You become a cook. You become the cook that you train to be, you know, based on your own experiences. Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. And speaking of one of our favorite places to eat, we converged on that concept uh, this weekend. Uh, you and I and our significant others, your wife, my girlfriend, had a beautiful dinner at ringside and I cannot express uh, strongly enough how nice it was to sit at a beautiful restaurant, order and get wonderful service and eat delicious food and have a great time. I believe, if my math is correct, we were there for about four hours. Yeah, no, it, it was it, it was definitely four hours because I was getting text messages from our 13-year-old wondering when we were going to get home. And mm-hmm. they, my, my two daughters were actually waiting at the front door when Randy and I walked in. <laughs> like, well, where have you been? <laughs> turnabout is fair play, I suppose. However, yeah. uh, speaking of turnabout, they're back to regular service. Their bar is now reopened and they take reservations and also walk-ins uh, at the bar. And be- because they opened up this great outdoor patio, Chris, uh, that is going to continue through the fall. Take advantage of the summer weather and eat outside. It's an outdoor patio. It's got hardwood floors, has full white tablecloth service. It'll have the same service team, the same menus as indoors, but you're outside. And uh, definitely something you want to take advantage of at ringside 
They're still offering their prime rib Wednesday special available both in-house and to go. So you can call in orders for pickup as well as on DoorDash and Caviar or go to ringsidesteakhouse.com or Open Table to enjoy dinner Wednesday through Sunday at Ringside. So where do you see yourself... um, are you thinking about where you're going to be in 10 years and, and um, where this, this journey is going to take you? Sometimes it's really hard to tell. I would imagine that five years ago, you, you couldn't have known where you'd be today, right? Um, no, I, I, honestly, I would be lying to you if I told you I did knew what I was going to be today. Um, I think the pandemic changed perspectives a little bit. I always have somewhat of a plan in my life you know like okay in a year this is what's going to happen in two years gonna happen and in five years gonna happen in 10 years this is what i want to do uh it's a guide for me to um keep growing and and you know getting better at what i do and and also as a human um 10 years from now i mean i think you know i'm i'm i'm, a, I'm very driven i'm very ambitious um, i'm fortunate that i have partners that are also driven and ambitious and and i wouldn't be surprised if things from now we don't have republica but we have uh hopefully an empire of of a few restaurants or maybe a lot of restaurants and maybe into maybe we'll expand into other things you know uh, we have a lot going on in our hands right now and uh you know it's super exciting you know i'm i'm very fortunate and 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 blessed and lucky that i have surrounded myself with a pe- with a bunch of people that are you know very passionate uh and that goes for my partners and also the the people that work for us or with us and uh, and that i mean truly that's what makes republica very special and that's what makes republica uh you know the place that it is now and and i'm, I'm excited about what the future is going to bring and how we're going to drive that why don't you um, take a moment to uh, brief us a little bit on Republica, your partners, what they're bringing to the table, pun intended, and um, you know what they do really well, and why it's making why it's making the place so great. Yeah, uh, so we have Olivia and Angel, myself, right? So Olivia is uh, it's uh, the pastry chef slash baker slash. Um, GM slash uh, HR slash uh, everything else. Uh, I think she kind of tells us what to do even if she disagrees. Um, Angel is, uh, it's kind of the brains behind the uh, the operation. You know, he does, you know, from the marketing to a lot of the sets the tone for the things that we say, the voice that we have, um, as well as, you know, Maitre D slash Mezcal Connoisseur and a bunch of other things. You know, he's the main uh, visionary, if you will. Uh, and for me, you know, I'm just a cook. I just come in, cook, and, and uh, have a good time. <laughs> I, among, I among, among, other, among other things. But, yeah. I would imagine if we spoke to them, they would have, they would uh, certainly word it a little differently that you're just a cook. Probably. But no, I mean, I think like, you know, we were, uh, we were uh, talking to a, a a friend the other day about the dynamic that that we have here and you know a lot of other restaurants don't have i mean i think my food is very special and very unique and um you know but without having the history part behind it without having a team to research and and you know really look up ingredients and go into that second page of what this information is and where this food come from where this ingredient come from outside of my inspiration and my drive for, for this dish or my passion for this dish. And then you're transmitting that into our staff and our staff being able to get excited and really bite into the concept and then going and telling the guest, Oh, this is what this is. And da, 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 da. Uh, the experience that we have is, it's very unique, you know, and I cannot make that experience by myself and no one can uh, and on its own. And that's, I think that's our, uh, so far, it's been a, a recipe for for success, right? Yes, of course, I'm not just a cook, but um, I'm also like, I think we're very successful because we have this dynamic. We have these people with us, you know, meaning my partners and myself that are, you know, have the same vision, have the same ambitions in a way uh, and are all into this. And, and, and I think so far, we've been able to show that right and, and transmit that and, and and inspire our, our own staff into 
you know, getting behind this concept and, and, and these ideas. And so, yeah. So when was the seed planted for this, the partnership for, between the three of you? How did that all come about? Oh, that was a long time ago, actually. Uh, Angel and I've been I've been friends for 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 a while now, and uh, I was doing uh, two years ago. We always talk about you know Mexican food and and you know the unfortunate uh, cartoonish sometimes menus on on restaurants, right? Of Mexican food, like oh, it's burritos, it's flautas, it's tacos, it's uh, all these things that everywhere you go. Um, you know, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. And, and again, like what I was saying earlier, like Mexican food, Mexican regionality is, is so much more than that. There's so much history, there's so much depth. And then, you know, the, 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 we haven't scratched the surface of what Mexican food is. And uh, I'm not a, you know, I'm not like, I'm not a trained Mexican chef. I don't know a lot of things about Mexican food. I will be the first one to say that, but I am really excited about learning these new things and, and, you know, exploring more and more and more. And I know a lot more about Mexican food than I did six months ago or three, four years ago when I and I were talking about Mexican food and what, what needed to happen, right? Um, I did a, a, a thing for uh, No Kid Hungry, Chef Cycle, uh, two years ago, I think, 2019, maybe. I don't even remember. That's but, a, that uh, was a whole other world ago, 2019. Yes, yes. So I was, I was uh, you know, I had to raise money for them and I was going to ride. I was going to go down to... Uh, Northern California and do a 300 mile ride on a bike. And, uh, so we ended up doing a pop-up at one of his, uh, previous establishments, uh, a coffee shop called Con Leche that was in the uh, South waterfront. And I mean, this place had no kitchen, uh, nothing. Right. So we showed up, we brought everything. And I, this is the thing about me, right. When I'm, when I'm cooking, uh, my whole world is cooking and I cannot focus on, you know, in front of the house or any of that stuff. And I was worried because we, we didn't bring any of my managers or anything like that. So it was just Angel and I brought a couple of cooks and myself. And so Angel, uh, did, uh, he did, he did the maitre d' thing, you know, he created a playlist for the night. He dressed up, but you know, his, uh, his, his nice clothes and he organized like the flow and everything else and needed to be organized and, uh, and, and to have a successful evening and a successful dinner. And I was actually very impressed with what the, the things that he did and, and kind of joking. I'm like, we should open a restaurant, you know, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to open a restaurant with this dude. Like he's, he's the major B that I need, you know, he's, he's just really into it. And he said, he sets himself to do uh, something that he gets very serious and he does all the research that he needs to do. And, and it's just, it was, it was phenomenal. It was a great dinner. And, uh, and I just, we kind of left it at that, you know, the pandemic or before the pandemic, he had we, we had some issues. Oh, he had some issues with some of the business. He he went back to Mexico, did other things, and then the pandemic happened. We actually met in Mexico uh, in March, right before the pandemic. We hang out. Uh, we went to eat at a couple places, and uh, you know, we're friends. And then um, he came back a few months after when the pandemic was happening. I lost my job. I came tied for well, I was furloughed for a few months, three months, I think. And I was actually, you know, bored. And, you know, I started doing, I started making home or I started cooking at home for friends and, and, you know, and friends of friends to, you know, just sell them food. And so like I would, four o'clock, I would deliver packages for of food and, and, you know, whatever it was, it was, it was not very successful in, in a way that it was a lot of work and it was very little money, but uh, I was bored and I was nothing else to do. And this is, this is the thing that I do, right? I, I, I couldn't see myself like moving into a new career or, you know, changing my ways. I'm, I love what I do. And so he came back and, you know, he had La Perlita. He's trying to like, you know, figure what to do. Uh, we started doing a pop-up on Sundays uh, with, uh, um, with tortas, right? And that became a thing real quick. And then there was space open and it was just like, it was, it got the torta thing got so popular that, um, you know, again, like kind of joking, I'm like, well, we should take a look at the space. Da, da, da. The next thing you know, the, the space was available. Um, Olivia uh, was also doing a pop up with the, uh, um, with her uh, baked goods, um, Olivia sweets and desserts and things like that. And, 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 you know, we needed a, a third person and she wanted to be part of it. And I think she, 
she's the one that believe in us the most. I think I believe in myself and, and, and Angel believe in himself and we believe in each other. But I think she believed in us a lot more than we did. And, you know, I mean, we're here now. So that's kind of a short version of the, you know, the long story of how this became a thing. But it was, it, the seed was planted a long time ago between, you know, conversations. And then I think this dinner we did for Chef Cycle was, uh, I, that was the big one for me. And uh, yeah. Well, you know, things move pretty quickly, I think, in the food world, because I don't, I didn't perceive that as a long time ago. I was about to say, well, this didn't happen very long ago, um, you know, a year and a half ago. And, in, and with the pandemic, that's a whole different thing. But, um, you know, you put it together pretty quickly and you're, you hit the ground running. I'm always very impressed with restaurants that say, well, we found some space and we'll be up and running in a month uh, that you can get things going that quickly. So, um, yeah. You know, you also had to come up with, some, I would imagine, some financing to make this happen, too. It didn't just, hey, there's the space. Let's move in tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you had to make some things happen, too. Yeah, we, we did put some some money into it. Not a lot because we, we don't have a lot of money. We put all our savings into it. And, you know, like one thing about the pandemic is, you know, we, we were told that we were crazy. And a lot of our friends are like, yeah, what are you guys doing? It's a pandemic. You can't open a restaurant like you're not. You're going to go down in flames. And, you know, I think for me and I, I think also for both of them, we saw uh, opportunity, right? Because the terror, the terror is ours. Like we we don't buildings are sitting empty so we can negotiate terms and things like that and and uh and i i think with the money that we had and and in any other circumstances in circumstances besides the pandemic we wouldn't be able to open a restaurant this quickly and with no debt like we opened the restaurant with our own money and you know i mean i was working uh, i was back working at king tide and i was i was you know working here in my days off and in the mornings when i could and then they were here I mean, they're still here seven days a week. Um, and, uh, you know, we have, I think originally we had seven employees and, you know, we were making enough money to pay them and, you know, pay food costs and then pay rent. And when we're still, we're, we're making money. Uh, and then now we have, I think about 35 employees and we're still be able to pay rent and, you know, maintain all the costs and all this and that. Uh, we're still obviously not um, know where we want to be because we're, again, we're very ambitious and we want to, we want to we want to be in a, in a different place, but um, I think uh, you know the, the the good thing about it is that we started with little money, our own money. We had no debt, and that's that's you know that's a very good thing to have in this in this business, and and especially you know with, with restaurants where like they're they're tough and it's hard to make it, uh, even in even you know outside of the pandemic, even in in a good time where people are going out and there's no worry about getting sick or anything like that and you know worry about keeping your employees safe and you know your customers safe and things like that like we're still very successful in that way and and the story that we have that being you know we started with literally nothing and then now we have we we not only like now we have this responsibility right that we have to maintain this business or our employees can provide and uh that's that's huge well, you know, they say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And if you can make it in a pandemic and get going there, you're only going to be really strong if we ever come out of this pandemic. It's just like we thought we were out of it. And now we're we're back in it a little bit. Um, we're, we're all hopeful that we don't have to be you don't have to be as concerned about those things. But, um, yeah, you're going to be, I think, really strong. I'm impressed that you have that many employees and are, able, are doing well enough to be able to support them. And you have, you know, ambition to go further too, which is great. Think about all, I, I think about this, you know, I remember when I first moved to Portland, which was 2005, you probably wouldn't be aware of this, but there was a restaurant on, I think it was 21st, not far from uh, the theater over there, um, that was called Taste of Mexico. And he was doing highbrow Mexico. And the reason he told me he couldn't succeed or he wasn't doing that well is everybody would walk in and want to order an enchilada. And he didn't have that on the menu. He was making beautiful fish with great flavors and spices sourced from Mexico. And uh, he couldn't make it. I know that um, Chica's had a little bit of that um, challenge too. And my friend Nick at Mi Maramole, 
he wasn't serving what everybody was expected. So you had to open under a very different mindset, right? That this is not Mexican, Mexican. And so you're succeeding without those challenges. People are expecting something a little more highbrow. And I think, I think we have folks like Anthony Bourdain and a lot of television to thank for that because now people have different expectations than they might yeah. just think of Mexican. Yeah, I think like, you know, I think our concept is it's Mexican forward. Um, and I, I think that's the best way to describe it. And yes, like the narrative is it's it's a very important part. Right. And this is where I mean, where like, you know, um, we we set ourselves very, very clear that uh, the type of establishment establishments that we establishment that we are. And uh, and again, like this is Angel doing, uh, you know, what he does and, you know, setting uh the narrative and telling the story and the story is this and no i mean we still get um every now and then we get people asking for uh you know for for a burrito or tacos de asada or things like that that we don't have on our menu and you know it's either like well this is what we have and, and we can tell you why or you can go um it at a different place that will have this for you but we're just we're just not this kind of establishment i think the food that we have is is phenomenal and you gotta give yourself an opportunity to try it. and if you don't then that's that's on you um and and it's and it's uh and it's it, it's you know just hearing myself talk about this and, and and being able to talk about this without like you know obviously like a lot of a lot of restaurants and 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 this is also me as a chef in in, in previous life is like well you give the customer what they want and you you make it you know make it right and the customer's always right and I've come to learn that um, the food that we're proud of the food that we do best the food that I'm passionate about and, and and it's the food that I cook the best but because it's some it might be strange to certain people and they might not be willing to try it. And you need a story for that. You need to be, you need a way into this minds to, um, to open them and, 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 you know, given the opportunity to, to try something not necessarily new because I didn't create this. I'm just reinterpreting some dishes and some ideas. And I have a phenomenal team that does that as well. But also like, again, Angel coming in and, 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 you know, he's, he's got a better way with words than I, than I do. And that's where, the story comes live and the narrative is set. And then, you know, then we have this, uh, this successful place that, you know, maybe in, in previous years, other places didn't. And yes, like part of it is media and, and, and the, you know, the, the, the evolution of the mindset of, you know, what a Mexican, what Mexican food should be. Uh, and I don't think you can ever encapsulate a food as a food, what a food should be, but what food is and what it will become. I right. Think. And what it means to you. And I think that the exciting thing was people in Portland certainly are receptive to what you're doing. Right. They're looking for that sort of thing. And not only that, in the pandemic, there wasn't a lot to be excited about. So I think you chose a perfect time to do something new and exciting because all the spotlight could shine on you pretty quickly. And um, and um, I think uh as I said, the proof in the pudding for me was, and I see this, you know, I'm on quite a few, uh, been around for a long time and been doing this podcast for eight years. So I'm on Facebook feeds and Instagram feeds of a lot of people in the industry. And what impressed me was the people I respected the most in food, chefs and other people in the industry were pointing the finger at Republica. They were telling me, this is the place you got to go. So, yeah. and I tried to get in this week and you didn't have any openings that I could, that worked with my schedule. And uh, so I figured we'd do this interview and then uh, I would have preferred to have done it having sampled more of your cuisine than I did at Finex a couple of weeks ago, which was delicious. But, um, but I want to sample your menu and we'll get in there and try it uh, when we can. But right now you're pretty booked out, are you not? It's, um, it's not an easy reservation right now. Uh, I think right now we're about two weeks out. Um, you know, there's some, there's some openings here and there in between and there's every now and then some cancellations. Uh, but no, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. We've been very fortunate that, uh, you know, uh, our tasting menu is, it's, it's, become very successful um we only started this concept when i left uh 
uh, when I left King Tide uh, a couple months ago or three months ago now. And uh, the, the end goal was always this, right? To, to be able to play with food the way we're doing now uh, and continue the evolution, right? For me as a chef and for, for the food that we are presenting. And, uh, but, you know, we thought it was going to be a little bit down the road. And, uh, and I also thought when I, when we, when I took over completely that, uh, you know, we we're switching this concept. We're going to start a tasting menu. People are going to freak out. People are going to start coming in. Uh, it's going to take a while to, you know, again, like gain some ground and, you know, start running before start walking before we can run. And the truth is that, that, first day that we dropped it like we were kind of booked for the day and then and so on and on and yes like we weren't um you know we weren't two weeks out uh booked but we were we haven't had a slow day i guess and that's uh and and you know like sometimes i have to stop myself and be like okay like i gotta i gotta realize that we have a restaurant that um it's booked and we are busy and that is that is a really good thing to have, right? And, and now to have it, you know, like again, two weeks, and then hopefully, and I think it's going to keep growing as far as like how how far away it's getting booked. Um, that's uh, that's pretty incredible, and and you know, it's humbling that that uh, you know, not only like industry people or not only like you know, normal people that uh, love food are booking, but also like industry people, people that I also respect and, and admire that are coming in and saying like, oh, well, like you're, you know, you guys are doing amazing things, and that's that's. That to me, that's the, that's also like huge and, and very humbling. How many seats do you have at the restaurant? Uh, we have. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's about thirty-five at once with social distancing, um, and we can do about two seatings. Uh, we're we're actually working on an hours right now where we can expand a little bit. So we hopefully we can do two and a half or three seatings. But we're also going to shut down on Wednesdays because right now we're opening seven days a week, yeah, and so that is a lot. And like I said, we have we have a phenomenal team of of uh, individuals that are, you know, working really hard to uh, you know to ensure the success of the restaurant. But also, my business partners and I haven't had a day off, like a proper day off, in in, in a long time. So I think that's the only way, at least for now, that we're going to be able to do it. And um, so we're going to start closing on Wednesdays, at least the evenings. Uh, the mornings will st still be open, uh, but the evenings will be closed on Wednesday. And we're going to expand the hours uh, a little bit uh, into the night. Yeah, you need some breathing room. Otherwise, you're just going to you're going to burn out at some point, I would imagine. Maybe not. I'm not I'm not built like you guys are in the industry. I always think I can't believe they're doing what they're doing. But just to clarify, it's only at, at night. It's only a tasting menu. That's right. Correct. Is, at night, it is. It, it is. It is. starts at five. Uh, and in the morning, uh, we actually just started also a, uh, a more brunch, brunchy program for the morning. So we, we're open at nine every day. Uh, we added a couple of, uh, you know, egg dishes uh, into the menu up until 11. And then from 11 to 3, we just have the uh, the lunch menu, which is, it's a very casual menu. You have, you know, things like pozole, uh, quesadillas, quesadillas that are made with, you know, our non externalized masa and, uh, um, you know, very traditional, um, you know, with tortas, um, you know, very, very, uh, very common food done in a very, uh, you know, with a lot of heart. That is, you, you are working, all of you are working really hard around the clock. There aren't many restaurants that are doing that. Some, I suppose, that have been open for a long time, but you're just hitting the ground running, doing what you're doing. And that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. We have to. We have yeah, well, I was going to ask you, you mentioned before some of the um, some of the people that you respect in the industry. Can you think of any um, folks? I always like to ask this question. Any places in Portland, any chefs in particular that you're most impressed with that um, that when you have friends come in from out of town who ask you where to go in Portland, other than perhaps your restaurant where you might suggest they go? Uh, well, you know, there's so many places that I like to go and i told people to go there's a lot of i have a lot of friends in this town and uh i don't want to not mention everyone but you know like right off the bat uh you know carlo from Banga cucina he's he's a good homie uh and you know he's phenomenal um i really like uh expatriate although they're 
I don't think they're open yet. Uh, Naomi was here the other day, and I mean that's that was huge. Uh, obviously, uh, Lepi John, um, Andy was here the other day as well, and uh, you know these 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 people are legends, and uh, so that's uh, that's that's insane, right? I really like Eam. Um, Eam is just good, good food, really good food, and I I haven't had a bad meal there. Um, and again, there's there's a lot of places, man. I, yeah, I no, there's always what, a disclaimer. Way to, way to put me on the spot. <laughs> you can't possibly call out everybody. I understand that. Yeah. But just looking for some, you know, I generally, and I got to change it up. I've always had my top five when people ask where they yeah. need to go. And also, uh, that question is always dependent also on what people like and what they're thinking, what kind of vibe they want yeah. too. But now my, my list has to change and I got to redevelop it. So. Yeah. Maurice too. I, I just, you know, Maurice just does a phenomenal thing with your lunch and uh, she's just, she's such she's, a sweet person. She is just a delight. We've had her on the podcast and I know yesterday, just yesterday, she went through some terrible graffiti and. Oh uh, no. Yeah. I just hate to, she's had, Kristen has had the toughest year, uh, you know, I'm every a lot of people have had tough years, but she dealt with uh, she dealt with some real hardship with her mom, and now to just watch the graffiti, still senseless uh, vandalism going on downtown. I know she's heartbroken. So anyway, I'm glad you mentioned Maurice, and uh, you know your list is pretty damn awesome that uh, that you mentioned. And I know there are some others that you're going to think about as soon as this is over with and think, oh, shit, I should have mentioned that, but it's okay. Yes. You're always welcome to let us know and we can put it in the show notes. So um, I appreciate that. So listen, I am very appreciative of you taking 52 minutes out of your schedule right now because I know it's really busy. We originally had this plan for the other day and I'm glad we got it in. And uh I really look forward to uh, getting to know you and hopefully on health someday and Olivia as well and uh, trying your food. Can't wait to come in. Just let me know. We'll make it happen. Oh, you don't need, I, I'll, I'll get in, but uh, yeah, no, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you soon. And uh, thanks so much. Oh, yeah, oh one other thing. Why don't you give us, um, I'm sure on hell would appreciate this. Uh, tell us all the particulars, like where you're located, where, where your Instagram, all the things that people need to know to access it right now. Um, <laughs> so we're you don't have all that information. I, I don't. I, I don't know the address, <laughs> but we're uh, we're in the uh, EcoTrust building. Um, yeah, well, that's so, easy enough. People just need to, <laughs> to Google it anyway, uh, so people have an idea if they're thinking of you know yeah. where they go to eat geographically they know where the ecotrust building is or they can find it and yeah, our, instagram, it's our, our instagram is uh, mine is lauro romero and then uh, republica is a uh, republica pdx uh and yeah ours are uh every morning from nine to three o'clock brunch is nine to eleven eleven to three for lunch and then five o'clock uh until ten for dinner wow uh, Thursday through Tuesday. Lots of opportunities to, uh, to yes. check out your food. So that's great. Thanks very much. I appreciate it, man. You've been great. Yeah, my and I, I think it works really well from a car. I've been preaching <laughs> since the pandemic started about not being in a studio, but we make do. Uh, maybe our audio quality isn't as good, but we still get to talk to wonderful people like you and get to the, the heart of the matter. So I appreciate it. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. All right, my, my pleasure. Cheers. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right